I'm retiring. I'm always the last to find out about these things. Hey, good to have you here. And if you join us online, surprise, I'm retiring. <laughs> I'll let Carol know after the service. <laughs> uh, I am excited about this. And I think next weekend is going to be a great weekend of celebration. We're very excited. And uh, we feel God has been leading in this whole process. And uh, it was around three and a half years ago, I just said to the elders, I said, uh, you need to find another pastor. I need to retire from Hope Church because we need to find somebody who can reach the next generations. And uh, that's not me. And um, it's not, I'm not tired. I'm not burned out. I could do this for another 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, bottom line is, I just said, hey, we need to find the next senior leader for the church that can reach the generations. You know, some of you pray for, you're praying for your kids, you're praying for your grandkids that live in another community, and you're praying, God, raise up a church that will reach out to those kids and be relevant to those kids and grandkids. And that's what we want to be here. We want to be the answer to prayer for, for many people are praying for their kids and grandkids that live in this community. So I'm excited about this. We're going to have the big reveal next weekend, so I hope you'll come and join us for that. But today, we're going to talk about anger and maybe it's going to surprise you that one of the things is we talk about anger is the idea that forgiveness is the pathway to getting over your anger. And uh, that may seem counterintuitive, but it's true. That when you begin to forgive somebody who has harmed you, who has really done some damage in your life, it will uh, do a couple of things. Uh, it will, if, number one, it will set you free. Um, because when you, when you forgive a person, you, you may think you're letting them off the hook, and we'll talk more about that in a second, but you're letting yourself off the hook. You're, you're setting yourself free. And forgiveness is kind of, and one of the reasons why we don't want to forgive is we're afraid they're gonna, not going to get what they deserve or justice or whatever you want to call it, Right. But, uh, but here's what you do. When you release that person and you, give, you hand them over to God and you say, God, you're the good judge. I'm going to let you handle this. Uh, he will handle it, and he will handle it right. But more importantly, you set yourself free from anger, hatred, and revenge. So we want to explore that a little bit. But so, so let me just review, because we did a series on forgiveness a while ago, and I'm not going to assume that you are here for that. Uh, or you were checking in online for that. But let me just give you some big, big bullet points on forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness, number one, is something only you can do. Uh, somebody else can't forgive the person that harmed you. you. You have to decide you're going to forgive them. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that you verbally go to the person and say, I forgive you. It means that you, in your own heart, in your own mind, you say to the person, I forgive you. And you, 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 it's a personal thing that you do. It, you don't need the person who offended you to be present for you to forgive them. But you are the only one that can do that. Secondly, forgiveness is not an option. You don't get to say, I'll forgive when they come groveling, when they own up to their, you know, what they did, when, whatever. You, you can't do that. You have to just say, I forgive them, period. That's it. You just have to do that. And as we start, let me just begin because it's, I don't want you to tune out and say, well, I can't do that. Just understand that we're talking, the reason you should do this is for your own good you should do this. 
But I'll give you more reasons as we move on. The, the third thing I want you to see is the Scripture tells us that we need to forgive as soon as possible. ASAP, as soon as possible. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, four Paul writes this really an interesting passage. He says, in your anger, do not sin. And we talked about that last week. But he says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And so the reason why you can't hold on to your anger is because you are giving the devil tools to use against you. And it will cause you to become bitter, and it will wreck your life. And so you have to do it as soon as possible. And like I said, because you can forgive the person without them being there, without reconciliation, without them groveling, without them taking ownership, because it's something that you yourself do, you can do it as soon as possible. You can do it before you go to bed. If somebody has harmed you and done things to you and you're, you're having a hard time forgiving them, before you lay your head down, you can forgive them. You can forgive them. Another thing about forgiveness is not forgive and forget. Uh, you're going to remember the hurt, maybe for a long time. Uh, some of you were harmed by your parents, by the people that raised you. And that was years ago, but you still struggle with it. You were harmed. And you, you, you haven't forgiven. You, you, you remember it. You, you remember it. Now, now here's, the, here's how that plays out. We get this idea that because we still have feelings, we haven't forgiven. Well, I want to talk about more of, more of that. The, the, the point I want you to see is just because you still feel the hurt doesn't mean you haven't forgiven that person. It could go on for years, depending on the abuse, depending on the harm. Uh, another thing about forgiveness that people don't often get right is forgiveness is not reconciliation. It doesn't mean that you're going to have tea with them or sit down and have coffee with them or, or you know, give a hug or high fives and, and the relationship will be repaired. Of course, that's ideal if it's possible, but it's not always possible. Let me give you a couple situations where it's not possible. If you are molested as a child, I don't know if you ever will be reconciled to the person who harmed you. If you were raised by parents that abused you and they're dead, how are you going to be reconciled to them? I sometimes in counseling will say to somebody who's gone through abuse as they were raised in their home, I say, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go home and I'd like you to write a letter to your parent, to the person that raised you, to the person that abused you, and just express your feelings your anger, your frustration, get it all out, write a letter. And sometimes I'll say, you may need to go to the grave site and you may need to say those things out loud. Now, why do you do that? Did they, do they hear you? I don't know if they hear you or not, but I do know this. It's a way for you to process your feelings and your emotions. And you may never be reconciled to that per person. And so forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Uh, forgiveness is an ongoing exercise. That's another one. It, it, you know, sometimes, have you done this before where somebody does something? It could be big or small, but a lot of times they're small things, and you forgive them. And then you remember it again, and it bugs you again. And the enemy comes to you and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you forgave them. I thought you forgave them. 
And, you know, and it's like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Lord, I really forgive them this time. And then it happens again. And you feel like, well, I must not have forgiven them because I still have these feelings of anger towards them. And, and, and what you have to under, uh, understand is that's not the way forgiveness works in the real world. Um, forgiveness doesn't take the feelings of hurt and anger away necessarily right away. And especially the more the harm, the longer it takes. It's kind of like grieving in a, in a way. If you are harmed over years, it's going to take a long time for you for those feelings to fade away. But what I want you to see is this, just because you have those feelings and those kind of spur up, you hear their name, you see a picture, something triggers it, that doesn't mean you haven't forgiven them. It just means those feelings are still coming up. So don't let the enemy say, well, you didn't really forgive them because if you forgave them, you wouldn't have any negative feelings toward them. Well, if you're human, if you're not human, all right. The one that I didn't get a chance to talk about in the forgiveness series that I want to talk about a little bit more today is forgiveness doesn't prevent you from seeking justice. Many churches have counseled young people and parents that have been abused through camps and other ministries of churches, and they said, you need to forgive the, the offender <laughs> who, who, who basically messed up your child or messed you up. You need to forgive them and not talk about it to anyone. What? It, that, uh, you say, are you kidding me? No, absolutely not. In fact, I would say that if you really want the best for the person and the best for other people and you have a predator out there who has harmed people at a camp or somewhere else, you do not cover it up you put the police on them and you prosecute them for the sake of that person, but most importantly, for the sake of other victims down the line. But churches sometimes, or pastors sometimes, or camps sometimes have just said, no, you have to forgive. And they, they, they get a, the principle from the Scripture. It ain't there, folks. It isn't there. When harm is done, justice must be pursued. You probably remember the name, maybe you don't, Rachel Den Hollander. Uh, she was a gymnast on the Olympic, uh, American Olympic team. And she's a, a very strong Christian. And uh, she was uh, abused by the Olympic trainer, as other girls were abused by the Olympic trainer, Larry Nasser. And they finally brought him to justice. And they heard story after story after story how he abused these girls, and the parents were trusting this trainer. At his sentencing, she, I want to read you a quote for what she said at his sentencing. Because what she does is she holds out this idea of forgiveness, but she holds out the idea of justice. Let me read you those words. She's talking right to her abuser. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me, though I extend that to you. Do you see the balance there? 
She's saying, I forgive you, but you need to pay for what you did. You need to, you need to, justice needs to serve here. And you have to come to grips with what you have done and the harm you have caused to so many families. That's, that's the balance of forgiveness and justice right there. She does a great job. One last point. Forgiveness seeks the best for the offender. And, and you see that in her statement, don't you? She's saying the best thing for you is to understand the, the, the depth of the, the abuse, the harm that you did, so that you can understand how hollow and awful and empty you are and the damage that you've done so that you can look to God and find help. Until you come to that place, you'll never find help. Look at what Jesus says. He, he says in Luke chapter 6, 26, love your enemies, do good to the, those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. I think forgiveness may be in that. Now, right away, when you just freshly been offended, it's hard to pray for anyone, especially somebody who offended you. But it says pray for those who have, who have offended you or mistreat you, right? Now, what kind of prayer should you pray? <laughs> Do you pray the Lord smite them dead? <laughs> or, you know, I'm praying, aren't I? <laughs> no, I don't think that's what he's intending there. But uh, you may feel that when you pray that. The point is, I want you to see in all of this idea of, of trying to tie forgiveness and anger together is that granting forgiveness is a critical step in getting past your anger. When you forgive somebody, you're moving on from anger. And many of you are struggling with anger because you have people and situations in your life where you've never forgiven and you won't forgive and you're holding on to it like a dog on a bone and you got to just let it go. And when you let that go, you will find your anger will go down as your forgiveness goes up. It's not easy to do. So one of the probably the most famous verses in the Bible is John 3.16. Let me read it to you. Because it speaks so boldly about the love of God, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We love that verse, right? And so there's the love of God, the love of God. You know, just God loves us so much. But as you keep reading down through the gospel, you come to verse 36. And in verse 36, what do we see? It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. It's not will have, might have, hopefully will have. It says has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. So here we see God's love and God's wrath, anger, you know, wrath, anger, kind of together in the same passage. Do you know the one place in Scripture where we see the forgiveness, the love, the forgiveness of God, and the wrath and the anger of God together? Because here's the thing. The Bible never sees God's love and God's anger as opposed to one another. They're, not, they're never opposed to one another. But God's love, you know, God's anger is vastly different than ours. His is not perverted like ours. You know, we 
we are biased, whether you know it or not, you are. Um, but God's anger is like when he sees his creation or his creatures, when he sees the things that he loved uh, harmed, it makes him angry. Now, if you have children or grandkids and you see them harmed, it, it should make you angry, right? And that's kind of righteous anger, right? Uh, you, you, you go, that, 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 that is, and so God is that. But where is the, the wrath, the anger of God, and the love and the forgiveness of God? Where, is it, where, where do we see it most powerfully demonstrated? The cross. On the cross. What happened on the cross? Well, Jesus loved us so much that he went there. God loved us so much that he sent his son. What happened on the cross? God poured out his wrath, punishment, on the cross on Jesus, who is what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So on the cross, we see the forgiveness, the love of God, and the wrath, the anger of God falling on one person, on Jesus Christ. See, the cross manifests God's love and God's wrath. On the cross, the wrath of God is demonstrated. Is dem God demonstrates his, the love. So I want to use a phrase, I want to talk about a phrase, because I think this next doctrine, and doctrine is not a bad thing, it's a good thing, this next doctrine really lays a foundation for forgiveness. Um, theologians have a phrase they call the substitutionary atonement. And what that simply means is that Jesus took your place on the cross, that he was punished for you and for me, that he died for your sins and for my sins. That he who knew no sin became sin for us. And God's wrath, God's punishment came for, for the whole world, came on him on the cross. He bore our sins. He took our punishment. That's why we call it substitutionary atonement. He substituted and paid the price that we should have paid. He took our place. He took our sins. He gave his life so that we could live. And so this is the basis of forgiveness, if we understand it. On the cross, Jesus willingly took our place, and he became that lamb. And Jesus now, today, if you, are, if you have called upon the Lord, if you're under the blood of the cross, under the blood of the lamb, if you understand that he died for you, and he paid a, a debt that you couldn't pay. That he, uh, he loved you so much that he climbed off of his throne, came from heaven to earth on a rescue mission uh, uh, for, of one, and, and gave his life on a cross for you. When you begin to understand that he took the wrath, he took your punishment because he loved you so much, then you're beginning to understand forgiveness. And the scripture tells us that today, when you sin, when you rebel against God, and when the enemy comes before the throne of God and accuses you, Jesus is right there defending you. Now, he's not defending your behavior. He's not saying, oh, Lord, they didn't mean it, or oh, Lord, they're not that bad. Or, oh. He's saying, Lord, he's saying, Father, that's already been paid. 
Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8. Look at what he says in verse 33. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It, it, it is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Here's Paul's point is, who's going to bring a charge against us when the one who died for us, the one who took our sin, the one who gave his life, loved us so much and took the wrath of God and paid the price once and for all. When he is sitting right there, when the enemy comes in, it's the same story over and over. Father, on the cross I paid for that. Forgiveness again. Forgiveness again. Now, it doesn't mean we deserve it. It doesn't mean we earn it. It's gifted to us. The point I want you to see in all of this, when we talk about the substitutionary atonement, that Jesus took our place and paid the price that we couldn't pay, uh, that when we, when we have a clear understanding of the cross and, and, and we see the wrath of God and the love of God united on the cross, that Jesus took the wrath of God because he loved us so much, we will have a basis to build our forgiveness. When we see Jesus taking our place and suffering for our sins, when we clear, clearly see what he did, it will change how we approach forgiving others. So I want to close with uh, this. Uh, I want to describe this parable, but let me give you the reference. Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 21. Matthew 18, 21. Um, I love this parable. I don't, like, I don't like the application of it, but I love the story of it um, because I don't like who I am in the, in, in the parable, okay? Sometimes parables are told so that you'll, Jesus wants us to identify with the people in the parable. So I'm going to ask you after we tell, I tell you basically the parable uh, who you identify as. So the story is that a man has an incredible debt. It's like, uh, let's, let's make it out to today. He has a, a $2 billion debt. Now, I'm not thinking that anybody in this room or anybody <laughs> joining us online um, has uh, the capacity to pay off a $2 billion debt. If you are, good for you. Uh, but that being said, let, let make, it, make it even more, okay? So uh, an outrageous debt, a debt that you can't pay, right? You, so you have this debt. So this man has this incredible debt. He goes in before the king, and the king says, time to square up our, uh, our accounts. You need to pay me. And if you don't pay me, you're going to go to debtor's prison. I mean, you're going to pay. <laughs> and, and, the, and the guy falls on his face before the king, and he says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Mercy, mercy, mercy. The king is moved, and he forgives him his debt completely. Can you imagine? I mean, think about that. Uh, think about the debt that you're carrying right now. And think about that if you were to walk out of this room or you, you stop, you know, you finish this, this uh, you're watching online, you finish at the end of it, that your debt, whatever it is, 20000 30000 100000 200000 million dollars, whatever, your debt is immediately gone. You have no more debt. It's, it's completely gone. How would you feel? I think we'd see people walking out the door just smiling, right? Just going, man, isn't life great? This is awesome. No more debt. It's all gone. I didn't know how I was ever going to pay that. It was beyond my capacity. So what does this guy do? Well, he leaves. He finds the first guy that owes him money. And this guy owes him about three bucks. 
And he doesn't just say, hey, you know, you owe me three bucks. I wish you'd pay me back. No, he grabs him by the neck. And he says, pay me now. And you know what the man says to him? I don't know how he said it when he's got his hands around his neck. He says the same thing that this other guy said when he went before the king. Have mercy on me. And the guy goes, oh, no, send him to jail. Send him to prison. Well, people knew this guy had had this incredible debt forgiven. And they saw what he did. Now, how would you feel if you were outside? You go, what is wrong with you, man? Are you out of your mind? Don't you remember? He just forgave you a debt you could never pay. He owed you three bucks. Three bucks. Are you kidding? I'm making those numbers up, so don't quote me on that, okay? But he didn't owe him very much. You would go, this is wrong. This is very wrong. So they go and they tell the king. The king goes, oh, that's interesting. Send him in, will you? All right, so who do you identify with? It didn't go well with the king, by the way. Who do you identify? Do you identify with the guy being choked? Probably not. Do you identify with the king? You'd like to, but you're not. Who do you identify with? Who does Jesus want you to identify with? Yeah, the unforgetting servant. And what Jesus wants you to see is that's the debt that you owed when I climbed up on the cross. That's the debt you couldn't pay. And if you forget that debt, you're just like this servant. If you can't forgive minor or even hurtful things that people do to you. Those are minor compared to the incredible debt that you had. That's the point of the parable. We too often forget our debt, and our forgiveness. And Jesus point to us in that parable. If you remember the cross, and if you get an understanding of the cross, and if that's the foundation that you build forgiveness on, if you drink from that deep well, you'll have a cup of water to give other people. But if you don't understand the cross, you're going to be like that guy. You're going to walk out and say, people owe me money. I'm going to get it. We're constantly reminded of this, even in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus took the time to put it in the Lord's Prayer. He says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Remember when Peter comes to uh, Jesus, he comes to Jesus and he goes, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? <laughs> have you ever had that situation? How many times? Really? It's the same thing over and over and over. And, and, and finally, uh, Peter goes, seven? I mean, come on, seven's pretty good, isn't it? And Jesus goes, seven times 70. And a lot of these uh, geeky theologians go, seven times seven is 490. No, it means this. No, it means that. You know what he's, he's saying when he says that? 
He's essentially saying, if you're still counting, you're not forgiving. If you're still counting, you're not forgiving. The number's irrelevant. The cross is sufficient. Um, when we fail to forgive, it means that we don't understand the cross, that we don't understand our debt, and we don't understand God's grace. So I want to read you a quote. This is from Tim Keller, and I came across this recently, and I thought it was such a great quote. He says this, without the humility that sees yourself as equally deserving of condemnation and without the joy of knowing you're standing in Christ's love, it will be impossible to give up your desire for revenge. The point I want you to take away from this message is this. Anger is released through forgiveness. And if you're having trouble forgiving somebody and you're angry with people, it's because you haven't visited the cross lately. You haven't remembered visiting the king who forgave your debt. And now you're out wringing necks for three bucks. And Jesus says, really? Look to the cross Help yourself. It's the best thing you can do for yourself. Don't look at it for how it's going to fix the other person because you only have so much sway in that. But it will fix you because there's a lot of angry people out there today, right? I bet there's pe angry people in this room and joining us online. And if I were to mention a name, you would immediately go to anger. And what I want to suggest is don't go to anger, go to the cross. See yourself. Go to the parable. And understand you are the one who had the debt that couldn't be paid. And you are the one that was forgiven completely. Not because you deserved it. Not because you paid it back. Because it was gifted to you. And because Jesus calls you to be a forgiver. Jesus calls you to understand that he will handle revenge. He will handle all of the offenses. But if you're struggling with anger, probably the only way you're going to get over it is you're going to have to start to forgive. And by the way, I haven't said this through the whole message. This is something you can't do on your own. You need the Spirit of God to help you. You need God's people to help you, and you need God's Word to help you. And I talked a little bit about that last weekend. But you can't do this on your own. This is not about trying harder. And, uh, you know, No, this is about allowing other people and allowing God's Word, and especially allowing God's Spirit to move you in your heart. And when you allow that to happen, you'll see your heart will change. So, how do we deal with anger? Well, one of the most powerful ways is we deal with anger through forgiveness. And that looks different for every situation. But I think we have some tools to work with this week. So would you stand with me? Let's pray together. And let's ask God to help us. Father, we do need your help because without your help, without your spirit, without your people, without your word, we can't do this. We thank you for the cross and thank you that Jesus went to the cross willingly.
that he gave up his life, that he paid the price that we couldn't pay, that your wrath, instead of being poured out on us, came upon him. And I remember, Father, the words that Jesus spoke from the cross with those who were actually crucifying him and taunting him. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, help us to have that attitude. Help us to go to the cross. Help us to understand the substitutionary atonement. Help us to understand our debt and our forgiveness. Help us to understand that your wrath was poured out on someone who didn't deserve it. But he shields us and he makes intercession for us today. I'm so grateful. Father, may every one of us walk out of this place or after we watch, we're watching this, may we turn it off and just be, wow, what a debt. I could forgive anyone. May we have that attitude, Father. We need your help. We pray for your spirit. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.